On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll go one-on-one with Pacers great Jeff Foster, who's now living in Austin and raising twin teenagers. He looks back on his 13-year run in Indy, and we discussed several what-ifs. Then you'll hear from Pacers President of Basketball Operations Kevin Pritchard, who talked with local reporters Tuesday afternoon to discuss how they are handling the time away from basketball, what it might take to resume games, how healthy is the team getting, and what they are doing to stay engaged. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes. I hope this finds you well, that you and your family are doing okay, hanging in there, and filling time appropriately, whether it's in Netflix, watching old games, or listening to this podcast. And we have a good one in store for you today. It'll be Jeff Foster and then Kevin Pritchard. But first, I wanted to share some of my key takeaways from our conversation with Kevin Pritchard. It's notable that no pacer to this point has been tested or needed to be tested for COVID-19, they've been very careful not to waste tests or use tests for, for no reason. One player did show symptoms, but according to Pritchard, those kind of went away after a day. With this time away from basketball, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, he's completely healthy, according to Pritchard, and really ready to go. He was dealing with a torn quad. Jeremy Lamb, who had knee surgery last month, he's doing better, rehabbing six days a week. He is allowed a special exemption at the practice facility to work with head athletic trainer and physical therapist Josh Corbeil, so they're doing that. The main point from Pritchard was that nobody has any answers right now um, for when games might return, for what it might look like. He said they'll probably need two to three weeks for some kind of mini camp before games because you have to be preventative of these injuries. And yes, you can stay in shape, but there's quite a difference between game shape and regular shape, and we often see that come the fall when guys come back from training camp. They're not in game shape, but they're certainly in shape. Um, The two key words that Kevin continues to stress with all of this is patience and discipline, patience to to get through it. He noted how it's a mental hurdle for the players, for many of us, uh, those first couple of weeks away from basketball, away from their normal routine, and now it's key that they have the discipline to stay active, to stay engaged, to stay working out for whenever that time may be. Several players are in town. A few have access to a gym, but many others um, either went home or are staying with family. Guys like Miles Turner, Domana Sabonis, Victor Oladipo, all the way from Indy of note. Pritchard shared how with this extra time on their hands, they're evaluating everything. Their process, the process of other teams, they're preparing for the draft and free agency probably more than ever. He's given new tasks and projects to the analytics team. He's asked scouts who were taken off the road even before games were canceled to gather more intel and do more research in terms of the draft and free agency and making calls to add to their binder of information Um, if you will. But you'll hear a lot more from Pritchard in his long conversation Tuesday afternoon with local reporters. Now's a good time to subscribe to The Athletic if you have not done so yet. You get all kinds of content, every feature, every piece of information, whether it's in the NFL, we got the NFL draft coming up, or you want to continue to read stories about the Pacers and other local teams as well. There's a 90-day free access right now on theathletic.com, the Athletic app, or you can go to theathletic.com slash fieldhousefiles for 50% off the annual price. So if you're with us more than three months, that's actually the better deal and all that. But I encourage you, if you haven't signed up, do so now at minimum with that 90-day trial. Now let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Jeff Foster, a member of the Pacers from 1999 through 2012. All right, joining 
me now is Jeff Foster from his home in Texas, I'm sure. Just going through this quarantine like all of us. Jeff, uh, it's been a while since we've talked, since we've heard from you. How have you been doing? Doing excellent. Obviously, uh, things have changed a little bit over the last month. But uh, down here, back home in Austin, uh, and just raising a family and uh, doing doing what I've been doing, just uh, doing my ventures and my deals. What's being a father like with them at this stage in their life? It's Carter and Ella Louise, correct? Yeah, yeah. So Carter and Ella are both 13 now. They're fin- finishing up eighth grade uh, from home, obviously, now. And yeah. uh, going off to high school next year. So their school ends at eighth grade. And they essentially had to apply for college. And uh, my daughter is going to a school here in Austin. She's really excited to attend. And uh, I don't know for good or bad, my kid's current school introduced my son to boarding school. And he <laughs> is going to go to boarding school in Connecticut. <laughs> That'll be quite a difference having him so far away. Is he engaged in sports? Is he a basketball player at all like you were? Uh, my daughter uh, my daughter is probably the more gifted athlete, but they both love sports. Uh, he personally, he's a, almost a black belt in Taekwondo, and he runs cross country and uh, plays soccer. And uh, daughter does, vo- Elle does volleyball, soccer, and she tried her hand at basketball she'd actually would be pretty good at it if she wanted to, to play but uh, she didn't enjoy it yeah no we just you know, you know we, we aren't overly inclined to push sports because uh, youth sports has gotten a little out of control in my in my opinion and there's just so many opportunities for kids to do so many different things in their lives that uh, it's kind of hard to just to get it seems like nowadays i mean you get pigeonhole into one sport and it's really all you have time to do with uh, summer and travel and sports and all that stuff and uh, just you know felt like we give them the opportunity to kind of uh, you know, figure out what they really want to do and and, and try various uh, op- opportunities. I'll tell you what the taekwondo does not surprise me at all because of his genetics and you were always a guy that stood his ground was always physical it was kind of intimidating I'm I'm sure for some was that always the way you played growing up um, more than we just saw with the Pacers. Um, you know it I was a I, I was. A very late bloomer. Um, I think I was, you know, the, the story's been out there. It's probably been a while since it's been told, but I was, I think, you know, I was five, five, seven when I was a freshman in high school. And it's interesting because I have boy girl twins and my daughter's probably about five, my daughter's probably five, six, five, seven now. My son's about five, two, five, three. So he's a, you know, a, a twin who's about five inches shorter than his sister. And I just keep kind of telling him, hey, your, your time will come. And uh, I grew so late and, uh, you know, the way I played was kind of influenced by uh, some teammates I had in college and uh, just the kind of way we played in college. Uh, ironically, my coach in college is the co- coach of the Knicks currently, which was uh, really exciting and uh, been fun to watch him progress and have such a, a great opportunity that he's had this year. And uh, obviously, the way things kind of came to a standstill uh, were unfortunate for, for everybody, but uh, him especially. But anyway, the way we played in college was, uh, you know, hard-nosed defense and uh, just kind of where it started and just kind of took it to another level. And I know when the Pacers drafted me, uh, I, I, you know, I, like everybody, I was, you know, I'm, to be in the NBA, you, you know, what you see on the court, everybody can do everything. You know, everybody can score and play. But I figured out pretty quick uh, being on a team that went to the finals my rookie year that the uh, opportunity for me to get on the court would be to just really focus on and on uh, you know defense, my my defense, my rebounding, and just being able to hustle and outwork someone else, and uh, just doing those little things that you know. I mean, you're out there on the floor with a 
you know, Reggie Miller and Jamal Tinsley and Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, you know, Al Harrington, Stephen Jackson. There's uh, only one ball out there, and uh, I you know, knew there was other things that I could do and do at a high level to help the team win. And I thought that was one of the brilliant moves on your part. It was, let's go master something. Because you need a, t- a guy like that to do the dirty work, to gra- grab the rebounds. And I think in, in the league, so many guys that aren't the superstars are trying to find a place. And you have the, the roadmap for them right there is go, go be excellent in particular in one field. And that paid off for you. You're the second longest tenured player ever with the Pacers. What does that mean to you? No, it was, you know, obviously – Growing up a fan of Dave Robinson here in you know, South Texas was, yeah. was huge. And then getting to be around Reggie and just see his, uh, you know, his commitment to one organization. And it was just something that, you know, I mean, I, I, if you look at my career and kind of where, where it ties in, actually the person that told me this was, was Slick Leonard. Slick told me uh, s- several years ago, right when I retired, and uh, obviously you add some more people to the list now, but it's probably like I think 30 people have played with one team as long as I was fortunate enough to play with the Pacers, and uh, 29 of them will be in the Hall of Fame. So I guess that's another thing I can hang my hat on is <laughs> the longest tenured uh, individual not to be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, no, my my time in Indiana is obviously something I'll always always cherish. I mean, the fans, the organization, uh, the people. It's just. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You can always count on Slick to provide that commentary. But you could argue I am in a Hall of Fame, just a different one, because your college, Texas State, inducted you while you were still a player. <laughs> while you were still a player, which I thought was impressive. Well, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're, we've, we've, got a, we've got a big big university, <laughs> but uh, not, not too many sports superlatives. So uh, very kind of them to, to, to allow me in while I was still playing and, um, you know, I still still do a lot with Texas State, and uh, they're 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 trying to find their way in certain sports. But it's fun to it's fun to watch them in basketball. They're pretty good in, in other sports. Going back briefly to how you played, I thought it was telling. I was looking up old articles, and one of them being um, when you retired. Larry Bird's comment was he played hard every night. He always gave his all, and that's the ultimate compliment. That's how I would deem a successful career in, in the totality, ultimately, of it, right? was They could count on you to provide what they would expect every single night. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, that's, you know, I was brought up to always give your all and whatever it is. And, yeah. you know, obviously at the end of my career there, I don't know if they could rely on me with my back to play or not, but they knew if I was going to go out there that they were going to get get something uh, that they expected. And, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit. I was talking to someone, a friend of mine, a couple weeks ago about it and just go – came into a team that went to the NBA finals. And I mean, the way I played in the games was also the way I practiced and uh, to the credit of Reggie and Mark Jackson and, you know, Rick Smith and all those guys, Dale Davis. I mean, they had a guy out there that was playing balls to the wall in practice every day. And they wanted probably nothing to do with practice because I mean, they're, they're, they were solely focused on winning an NBA championship. So uh, I was just fortunate, like I said, to be, be around a group of great leaders and, um, you know, they just helped me find my way and uh, you know, allowed me to have a nice 13-year career. You brought up your back, and I have to ask about that. That's obviously why you retired. How is that going? Are you able to golf and, and pick up your kids and do stuff like that like like you'd yeah. like to? Yeah, no. I, I So when I retired, uh, I, I've, I had the two hip surgeries while I played and then the two back surgeries while I played. and um, I still have not had the back fusion, which I was told by three out of four of the best doctors in the country to have. And one of them kind of gave me some good insight, which I've tried to follow for the last, I guess, what, eight, nine years now is 
he said, Hey Jeff, I've done, you know, hundreds of these on people your size and they just never work out well. Uh, you end up having a, a more severe uh, form of surgery down the road. And he said, Hey, if you can keep yourself fit and keep your, your core and back strong, uh, then you should be able to make it for, for a certain period of time until uh, you need this or maybe there's a new procedure out there. So I've kind of tried to live my life by that. Uh, I did try golf. Unfortunately, uh, my back my back did not allow me to golf like I would like to have. And if you're a golfer or anybody that's a golfer that's listening to this knows you cannot just go play golf once a month or once a week and, no. and be any good at it. And as competitive as I am, I I just knew pretty much so early on that I, I was not going to be able to be uh, as good at, as it, at it that I would like to be because I could not commit the time because of my body uh, needed too much time to recover from golf. So, yeah, I don't don't, don't golf anymore. I haven't golfed in about three years. Um, but, yeah, no, like I said, rent, my son runs cross country, and my daughter and my son and I went and ran two miles uh, this this ad uh, this morning. It wasn't wasn't anything record-breaking or, or uh, anything to hang your hat on as a former professional athlete, but <laughs> – just staying active, trying to eat healthy, and uh, just trying to take care of my body, uh, and uh, you, know, you know, share share what I've uh, learned over my years of working out with with my family and uh, and friends. In normal times, now that you you can't golf and, and things like that, how are you keeping busy? Busy? I read kind of in investments. Is is that how uh, kind of the post career for you? Yeah, so I uh, was a finance major and never thought I'd be in the MBA. So I'm actually kind of. You know, the, the NBA, obviously, from financial from financial standpoint and from a relationship standpoint, has you know, just given me the opportunity to uh, meet a lot of great people and uh, you know, work alongside them or, or learn from them. And uh, I've just always tried to surround myself with a good team. Uh, you know, obviously, the Pacers kind of put me in a position to be around good team and teammates. But uh, since I've been done, that's kind of what I've uh, been focused on is uh, you know, build, building, uh, you know, my network and, uh, just, you know, trying to find good teams to be a part of. And, uh, I had been going down to, uh, one, one of the, uh, things I've been a little more involved with, uh, recently is a company called restore uh, hyper wellness and, uh, cryotherapy, uh, website. You can look it up. We've done is restore.com. And, uh, we're, we're growing rapidly throughout the country. It started off kind of as cryotherapy, um, some, some partners of mine kind of introduced me to it and I thought, Hey, you know, this is a great thing that could help me with my back and something that I could use. And, um, you know, the two entrepreneurs that I'm involved with, uh, they kind of pivoted it into more of a, a, a wellness, uh, offering and, uh, to the point where, you know, we, we're, we're an essential service right now and fortunate to be open. Uh, we've got 50 locations nationwide, nationwide right now and about 38 are open because we offer, uh, we have a health health network for telemed and and IVs and stuff for for first responders and just for for people that are still trying to take take care of themselves. So kind of like it go that was something or is something I've been more involved with and actually miss going down to the office and and being around the folks. So uh, when this is over, it'll be fun to get back down there. That's really interesting to me too because you mentioned how it can kind of help you in your pain the same way Jonathan Bender's post career. Try, as he worked to find something that could help with his knee injury and those sort of things, how one thing led to to the next and all of that. Yeah, no, and, and that's the kind of the interesting thing about that that venture. And uh, as I said, having having good good partners, good teammates that uh, have experience in this is that I think they're just we uh, the, the world technology wise for uh, kind of hacking your body and just. Uh, just taking care of yourself is such an important thing because, I mean, look at this you know, pandemic we're in. The 
people that are most at risk or people that you know are older or have a pre-existing condition and and all, unfortunately a lot of those pre-existing conditions are based off a of diet and just kind of exercise and you know how you live your life so uh, hopefully uh, with restore we can come out of this and you know people are more proactive with their health and well-being than you know reactive which is going to the hospital so um you know really excited about that that thing and uh like i said it just helps people and being able to help people is uh, just an important an important thing and, and something that i've always enjoyed enjoyed trying to be uh trying to do Got to wonder with the with your involvement investment in this restore hyper wellness and other things in medical, does it give you I don't know pause or frustration like if only I had this during my playing time when during that pain and see the different stuff the Pacers new practice facility things that now is being made available to them do that have ever give you um, second thoughts about what what could have been I guess? Well, I mean you can always second guess all all kinds of things. Uh, I mean. You know, I had someone, I was talking to a former teammate the other day, and he was like, you know, Jeff, when you were healthy, you know, before all your injuries, I mean, you'd be pro- prototypical, like, 5'5". Five, five. And I'm like, look, I was like, that's great. You know, we can all sit here and think, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, you know, if I was playing in the, the 50s or the 70s or the 80s, I mean, how, how would have things have been different? So, um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously – medically and just the way that teams practice now and they and the just the studies that they have from sleep studies to you know a lot less wear and tear in practice and uh you know limiting guys minutes and i mean just even the game uh, is a lot less physical than it used to be and um you know i mean i think the guys will all get an opportunity to play uh, longer uh, than, than guys in my generation and definitely guys in the earlier generations of 70s, 70s 80s and 90s yeah, and that's been the fun thing for me to see over the last, I don't know, decade in covering the team and then working before that was just the lack of practice time now. It's basically a game every other day. You're not having the back-to-backs or three and four nights, but you're also not really getting good practice time either because then on the other end you don't get the two, three, four days off. I'm curious, how much, if at all, are you talking with former teammates, former coaches, things like that? Uh, you know what, I've talked – because of this boarding school thing with my son, I've talked to uh, quite a few over the last month, just trying to, uh, from from a parent perspective, to knowing that someone is in the area that, you know, God forbid that something happened, I could make a phone call and uh, someone could check up in, in on them. So I've, I've actually talked to uh, se- several over the last month. And, uh, you know, it's just always great to, to, to reconnect with, with, with people that were uh, you know, either very important in your life and your development, or you, know, you may have had a small hand in uh, helping them uh, along their way and what they learned and and how they came into the league. So uh, it's it, you know the NBA is a fraternity, and uh, like I said, fortunate to have been part of it, and uh, we'll we'll always have have some sort of relationship with it. Yeah. Did did you ever consider going into broadcasting or media or anything like that? And I, I question that because one of the things that stands out to me about one of your first couple of teams is how many of them are now everywhere, right? Jalen, Mark Jackson, Reggie, even Crow uh, every once in a while, Eddie Gill. Like, was that ever a consideration for you? You know, I, I, I always envisioned myself more on a management side of it. And, you know, I, I had that opportunity and did it for a while and then uh, unfortunately had a conflict and had to kind of step away from that. Uh, the broadcasting thing, you know, it, I've never really been – approached about doing it yeah obviously i mean if you would have told me that Jalen would be doing what he's doing now i mean he's essentially you know a star a star of a network and uh that that is unbelievable that is that is so cool and mark and mark is just so spot on with his comments in the games and 
uh, it's really fun, fun to listen to him. And obviously Austin, who's uh, one of my closest friends, uh, you know, just watching his development over the years uh, has been really kind of exciting to see. And, you know, I know he was getting a, he had had a pretty exciting opportunity uh, for the NCAA tournament this year that obviously um, he wouldn't, didn't get the opportunity to do because of what's going on. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great point. I never had really thought of it that way, but um, you know, it, it, it'd probably be something that would be pretty easy to pick up. Uh, but those guys are off, obviously doing really well in their careers and uh, representing us well. Um, to go back to the beginning of your career um, in all of this, you said you, you didn't expect to necessarily be an NBA player. Pacers, I, I was told, brought you in for a second workout. Do you remember anything about that? Um, because I, I asked around a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it was it was funny because I've always been just until until you know a bird in the hand uh, kind of guy, and my agent was like, "Hey, you should have a party. Uh, you're gonna get. You're gonna be a first round pick." And uh, my mom and I were at uh, Sam's buying stuff for the party. Like, I think it was two days before the draft, and my agent called and said, "The Pacers want to want to work you out the morning of the draft because uh, the, the entire coaching staff was in New York um, for the playoffs when that happened." And he said do you want to go? He said, I don't think you necessarily need to go. You're going to be a first round pick. And, but I said, I said, Hey, I've never turned down a workout. I'm not going to turn this down. Uh, as long as they can get me back, hopefully in time for, for my party, that'd be great. And I wasn't even thinking about that. I have a delayed flight or anything. I'm watching the NBA draft yeah. from an airport somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I had a Mel, Mel Daniels worked me out and uh, Mel and I became very close during our time in Indiana. And um, so Mel worked me out and, yeah, I know. I know. I know. The, the lore is I made. I think. I think I did a thirty-three point shots or something, and I made twenty-seven out of thirty. So it's like I said. I we all of us had the ability to shoot and score, but I just kind of took took the uh, took the uh, the the hard nosed toughness thing to another level. And for whatever reason, in the games, I guess my motor was running too high, and I would always be a little bit long on my shots. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a great workout and. I uh, had a relationship with Rick Rick Carlisle from uh, a couple summers working out in uh, Hawaii at a big man camp. And, you know, obviously remember Larry coming over and meeting Larry for the first time, which obviously being a basketball fan growing up was really cool. And he just, I think he asked me, he said, you can play, I think he said, you can play, but are you tough? And I said, that's the one thing I am is I'm, I'm a lion. So that's all I really remember about, about that interaction. But yeah, I mean, it, it was obviously the springboard to a great 13 year career and a, and hopefully they enjoyed me being uh, around as long as uh, I was and uh, as much as I did. Basically what I heard is you hit every damn jumper, is how it was told to me, and you love the elbow areas. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I could I, – in the, in the workouts in the summer would hit every jumper too. Yeah. But like I said, I think my, just my motor was going so hard in the games that I just could never calm down and, and, and get the finesse because I'm in there wrestling all the time. I'm curious, when you were playing and being so physical and tough, like we've talked about, you, you never allowed the easy baskets, um, but you never really crossed that line, it felt like, to the dirty fouls. You just weren't going to give up easy buckets. Um, was that something, going back, like you mentioned, in high school you had to play and then into college? Well, and it's just kind of the, the era I grew up watching in the NBA, uh, watching in the 90s. And you think about those those old Knicks teams and, and Heat teams and just the way they played in the 80s, uh, that's how that's how you played. There weren't any – no layups. And that's kind of – you know, you think about those teams that we had with Ron, the, the 0304 team when we won 61 games. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Ron, Jermaine, uh, Al and I, Crow, you know, we, we, it was no layups. I mean, even in practice, guys were, were hitting each other and not allowing layups. So it's just a, it's just a completely different mindset now. Um, you know, off, offense wins every time in the NBA now. And, uh, it's hard for me to watch and tell the playoffs because it's interesting. The scores come down so, uh, drastically in the playoffs, uh, versus the regular season now. And you see teams really hone in on their defense and, uh, just a more pure type of basketball than the regular season. The NBA the other day was re-airing the 2000 finals, and it struck me, wow, it's been 20 years. Does it seem like it's been that long? And I'm, I'm also wondering, when you go back to your rookie year and think back, were you almost naive to the fact that, oh, maybe this is what it will be like every year? Was there any thought like that? Oh, completely, completely naive. I mean, it was essentially the first time that I was away from home. Uh, I mean, I went to college 30 minutes from my house, so, you know, parents would be around for dinner or, uh, I mean, I could go home anytime I wanted. So yeah. that was really my first time being away from home and to go up to Indiana in September and essentially be there all the way till the end of June and then right in the summer league. Uh, yeah. I mean, I look back on it now and you know, I wish I had uh, taken more snapshots, uh, of, of that, of that experience because I thought obviously that it was going to be something that was going to be commonplace and, the history of the Pacers uh, for the previous 10 years, that was always a goal and always somewhere we were headed. And even after, even after that year, you know, obviously we were really competitive and really good. And, and then up until uh, 04, 05, I think we felt like we had an opportunity to go back to the finals almost every year. Did you think that that finals team, your rookie season, or perhaps that, that later year, the 2003-04 team, or even the, the brawl year, either one of those do you think stood out among the best of that group? Um, I mean, the perspective is so much different from being a rookie and just kind of wide-eyed, yeah. uh, not knowing any better. It's it'd be really hard to kind of to judge that team versus when I was actually playing and contributing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think any of those teams would stack up well. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, I, I go by where you ended up. So, I mean, the team that went to the finals obviously would have to be, in my mind, uh, you know, probably the better team because of that, the outcome, uh, you know, you get within a game and a half of or, you know, two games of winning an NBA championship. It's hard to, it's hard to duplicate. I think for you, maybe that 2003, four conference finals had to be one of the more memorable games. I would think at least it was to me. I remember that game five, I think it was against Miami and you went nuts. I think I looked it up. You finished with um, 20 and 16, and a tied series, and then you guys went on to win and reach the conference finals. Uh, do you remember anything about that game? Yeah, my, my, my wife tells the kids about it. I guess I don't remember, <laughs> but she tells me because I guess they were ch- the, the uh, field house was chanting my name because she said they were going foster, foster. And uh, she said the only other time she had heard it was obviously they chant Reggie all the time. So I don't remember it, but uh, she vividly uh, recalls it, which is uh, – if it happened, I'm sure. I'm assuming it did. It's pretty cool. The thing it obviously led to was in the conference finals, and that's kind of the series that tilted a little bit with what we remember is either the Rasheed Wallace guaranteed game or Tayshawn Block game. And a couple weeks ago, I actually went back and watched that, rewatched it for a story. And the thing that struck me was just like we were talking about earlier: is the the play, how physical it was, and then even the low score. Finished seventy two sixty seven, one hundred and thirty points combined. But does that Tayshawn Block game, so to speak, still stick with you as well as what could have been? Even though I know you said you hate hate to go back and think that. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I I haven't really gone back and watched it, but I mean, I think if we win that game, we 
obviously probably win that series. And, um, you know, the Lakers were pretty, pretty messed up that year. I think, you know, we, right. we, we were a really good team. I mean, obviously the Pistons making that trade to get Rashid put them, uh, you know, over the, over the hump, so to speak. But, you know, Hey, it's hard to go back and, and think about a play or, you know, multiple plays from any game or any season, because it's just the way, way sports are. It's the, you know, it, it it's it's happenstance. It's you know just it's muscle memory and you know what what happens and who executes. So, um, you know, I think in retrospect, obviously, you know, I think I've heard Reggie say before, yeah, he wished he would have dunked it, but I mean, heck, who? That's one of the greatest blocks ever. Right. So, um, you can't you can't ever second guess something. You have any idea how many three pointers you attempted in your career? I know the majority of them were like hail mary's <laughs> throwing them from half court right. or shot clock running down i have no clue 54 i was i was wondering about this as well and you hit your last one you made your only one in your final season i i did that, that I, I had a chance to spot up for that one so I, that was actually a real one so yeah like i said i i enjoyed i enjoyed the way i got to play and obviously was not out there trying to to break any scoring records. I was trying to break rebounding records, uh, or you mm-hmm. know, keep my keep my man from scoring, or do whatever I can to, you know, help help a teammate in the defensive rotation. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it was it was a fun ride, that's for sure. Fourth in games played, third in rebounds, tenth in steals. I think you did all right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, be safe and uh, enjoy your time at home. And hopefully, you guys are back on the road soon. Uh, calling some games, and we get to see some uh, good playoff basketball here some sort, sometime this summer. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. We shall see. I appreciate Jeff joining me on the podcast. He had several funny stories to share, especially that one from his pre-draft workout, and then I had to ask him a couple times about how close the Pacers were to reaching the finals and even winning the finals during his rookie season. Quite an experience he had. Amazing how he was just 5'7", his freshman year of high school, and ultimately grew to be 6'11". He ranks fourth in franchise history in games played, fourth in rebounds, fourth in personal fouls, and he's 10th in franchise history in steals. And three times over his 12 seasons, he led the team in field goal percentage. During this quarantine, I hope to do several more catching up with former players, with former fan favorites as well. All right, now we'll hear from Kevin Pritchard, who spoke with local reporters Tuesday afternoon. You know, I guess to to start, I'd say that this is unprecedented. Uh, we're in a unique world right now. None, none that I think you've ever probably have thought about preparing for. Um, you know, I'm watching the news every night and watching the, the cases. And I think the thing that I want to do is publicly thank all the healthcare workers for fighting this virus. I mean, they're on the, the forefront and, you know, they're real heroes and it's, it's, in a way, uh, incredible to see those uh, people doing what they're doing under these incredible uh, circumstances. Uh, also, our thoughts go out to people who have been in, impacted. You know, there's there's been you know deaths, but also uh, jobs and and a lot of things. So I have a, a lot of empathy um, uh, for those people. What, what is amazing is, as we've gotten away from sports, I think the one thing we know is sports really galvanizes us. It's something that brings us together. It's something that's important in our life. I, I, I can't tell, but, you know, through Twitter and in the social media, I think we all miss having something to gather around. 
And uh, for me, um, not going into uh, the offices, not being around people, not having the camaraderie, um, I really miss it. Uh, I think one of the things we're doing as best as we possibly can is we're really trying to communicate with everyone in our organization. I think Rick Fusion is Fusion has done an incredible job of getting uh, all the employees together, not just basketball, but all the employees together. And I think that's been a, a great thing for this organization. Um, sometimes there's a Chinese wall between basketball and business. I can tell you that's completely torn down and we're all in this together. Um, I think we're doing everything we possibly can right now to communicate with our players, give them the opportunity to stay in the best shape that they possibly can. And it's interesting how it's, it's, it's coming together and we're using Zoom and Teams and FaceTime and we're really trying to, to, to use those technologies right now. Uh, but there's, there's becoming circles within circles, the coaches and the players and, uh, we're preparing uh, like there's going to be a regular season in the playoffs. Uh, I know there'll be a lot of questions around that. Uh, we're listening to the league uh, in a big way. We just had a meeting, uh, president's meeting, with uh, Adam and the basketball ops people, Byron Spurrell, Kiki Vandeway, uh, last Friday to talk about some of the things that they're looking at, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but I, I think our guys, I really give a hat tip to, to some of our players, uh, TJ McConnell, uh, Malcolm, Victor, Miles, uh, TJ, Justin, um, uh, Aaron. They're doing a good job of staying together as much as they possibly can. And I think what happens uh, for a player, I'm, I'm going to put my, my hat player hat on, which – been a long time but what happens is you're in a complete regimented state for a long time during season um, the off season opens up but you're at practice you're uh, eating you're going to sleep you're waking up shoot around and they get into these regiments and then all of a sudden it's gone <clears throat> and you can't have basketball and so we've gone through all these levels of um, anxiety frustration um, missing uh, that the players are going through, the coaches are going through, and uh, everybody that loves this amazing sport, especially in Indiana, you take basketball away from people in Indiana, that's a serious thing. Um, again, I'm, I'm being very empathetic to, to uh, the, the crisis we're going through, but I also think we have an amazing uh, culture, basketball culture that that is being missed right now. And I, I can't wait for us to get back to that. Um, we're doing our best to prepare for the draft. We're doing our best to prepare for free agency. Uh, we don't know the time frame on which that will happen, whether there'll be a season and then uh, the draft and then free agency or a lot of different amalgamations from that. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm happy for, our, for what this team has accomplished to today. I, I know there's some teams that are above us in the standing, and they've gotten this amazing amount of uh, credit. But uh, I felt like, you know, 
going eight out of our last 11, winning eight of our last 11, uh, getting people back healthy, which was one of the things we had said. I was really looking forward to this last part of the season and potentially moving up the, uh, the standings and, and, and really uh, trying to get a home court advantage uh, for the playoffs because I think as, as we'll see, hopefully, that you know, there's, uh, there's some bunching up and in this uh, area where we're at, and uh, we think we can make some noise in the playoffs. So uh, we miss being around each other. We miss uh, uh, seeing the ball bounce and go through the hoop, but we're doing everything to do uh, to, keep, to, to keep together. There's been two words that I've, I've said through this whole process is that, you know, we're going to have to have a, an extreme amount of patience um, and then we're going to have to be disciplined, patience, and we don't have any answers. No one has really answers uh, for a lot of the questions I'm sure you guys are going to have. There, there aren't any answers right now, and so we all have to be patient. And then discipline, discipline, I know for me right now, I'm doing this uh, press conference in my, uh, in my kitchen, and, and the uh, refrigerator's right over there, and Man, I got to show some discipline staying away from that. But we all have to show some discipline in this. Have to stay away from people. We have to do our best to uh, to social distance, and we want to play our part. I think that's the one thing I I tell you is the the message that's coming from 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 us down to our players, down to everybody is let's beat this. Let's beat this virus because if we do what we are supposed to do. We can be pillars of our organ of our community, and and hopefully Indianapolis and Indiana gets through this faster than anybody, and we can come back uh, out on the the other side much better. So, um, with that, I guess we'll take some calls if you guys have any questions. You can go back, and you mentioned about how sports can kind of bring communities back together, and. Uh, maybe the country as well, a little deeper picture. But I mean, in your opinion, how much does this country, the world perhaps, need sports? Boy, I don't know if there's ever been a time where we needed more. I, I don't know if you guys, you know, I, I'm still watching the older games and, um, you know, we need that. We need that fabric of our community to talk about hoops, to – to go down to a bar or a restaurant, eat and be together and then go to a game and high five and feel good about leaving a game. I, I think it's, it's the fabric of our country sports, um, but also specifically in Indianapolis, look how, how important basketball without high school basketball, without college basketball and without it, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a very empty feeling. You know, we, we all love sports. We're in the sports business, obviously, but, for me, uh, not being able to see games has been um, a real uh, shocker. And I, I wouldn't say depressing, but it definitely, um, it definitely affects us. And, and, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, sports brings us together in a unique way. And that, that when we're playing Chicago and Detroit and Miami and all those kind of teams that are, you know, great communities that, allows us to galvanize our, our beliefs and, and try to, to beat each other. And when the game's over, we always shake hands. And, you know, we miss that. We definitely miss that, Dave. 
Scott Agnes, the athletic. Yeah, hey, Kevin. Um, as the leader of the basketball ops, can you take us through what you're doing to try to keep everyone connected, to keep everyone with some hope, to keep everyone in shape, those sorts of things? Well, I think there's three things there. Number one is we're meeting a lot on Zoom and, and uh, Microsoft Teams uh, as a management staff. Um, and, and one of the things that's been pretty um, effective that I feel like is drawn a lot of stimulation is we're, we're getting on, we're, we're each taking a team uh, in the NBA and we're digging really deep and trying to understand what that team is doing. And then, so one person, for, for example, Peter Dinwiddie or Chad or Ryan or uh, Vance takes a team and make a presentation on what they're doing, uh, what they would do. And then how can we look at uh, being good partners potentially as trade? And those have been incredibly stimulative, something that uh, keeps us – to me, you have to keep your mind fresh. You know, we're reading books. Everybody's reading everything. But uh, And then we're having good debates around that. And, and for me, you know, you, you start getting people thinking about how a general manager or president might be thinking. Um, that's what we're doing with our staff. Secondly, with our players, we're having a meeting. We're having another meeting this week. Uh, it's more – uh, but check in with our players. We're getting on Zoom. And then every player is saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. And uh, Nate really felt like that that was important. I totally concurred. And so now we get online for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, once a week. And we just check in with the players. Um, what, what's been interesting is some players obviously get on and, you know, say a, a few things. And then some players are very introspective in this and, you know, really want to help communities and want to get involved. And uh, what I've been most proud of is how some of our players are using this pro platform to, to help, uh, you know, Victor, uh, Tamika, uh, you know, they did their pub public service announcement. Um, I know Malcolm's coming out with a, a program right now where he's buying a bunch of uh, not coupons, but buying uh, uh, gift cards for a lot of downtown businesses. We're, we're all doing that. Um, and then, then, so we have with our management staff, we have with our players, and then we have with the whole organization and Rick Fusion is, uh, is organizing those. And those are daily. We're doing those daily. And, and for us, I mean, you know, you could say, well, you know, do you need to meet every day? Well, right now, maybe we do. Maybe we need to be together more than, than ever before. Um, with that, I think one of the things we're trying to do is figure out how to improve our processes. Because this is the one time ever that we can say, well, there's not a game. There's not something that's coming up. How can you really put behind uh, and think about, ways to improve the organization so we've done that as well so we're, we're, we're staying very engaged uh, we're going to stay engaged as long as this and and be prepared on the other side and hopefully be a better organization let's go to kevin brockway cnhi Thank you. Hey Kevin, um, I'm just curious about, you touched on this a little in your opening statement but um, draft prep uh, the impact of that 
potentially if this stretches out, I know you have a lot of workouts in May and June, how that impacts, this could potentially impact this, that process. Well, as of now, we don't have any workouts. Um, probably what will happen more than ever is we'll be doing Zoom interviews with the seniors, uh, the college seniors. And then ultimately the guys that declare for the draft will be doing a lot of face-to-face interviews. Uh, all the scouts right now have, have their zones, but they're also uh, uh, not requested, but, but their duties are to get, uh, get some background. So they're calling and getting background and talking to coaches. And we're filling up our database probably more than ever. I can't imagine there won't be a draft and free agency more reviewed than in this one because that's the one thing that we can control. We can watch film. We can ask people uh, about players. And then we can uh, make our evalu- evaluations. You know, there's, that, there's the same, same saying that we have. Um, you know, eyes, ears, and numbers. Eyes, watch film. Ears, talk, hear about players. Do the background and numbers. Watch the stats. I think our, our analytics department's probably as busy as they've ever been because we're working on new projects. We're working on new ways of, of looking at players, new ways of, of evaluating players. And so um, we're not sitting idly. I can tell you this. I was told by one of the persons in my uh, immediate staff, they said, holy cow, we're doing more meetings than we've ever had. So um, we're trying to trying to stay connected. All right, Kevin Bowen, ten seventy the fan. Kevin, what's your opinion on possibly playing games in front of no fans, or possibly you know going to a remote site to play the playoffs? You know, Adam has has touched on that. Uh, one of the things I do want to jump back here a little bit. Um, Doctor Samuels is our team doctor, and he called me uh, very early when he heard about the virus and said, you know, why don't we talk about bringing our scouts back off the, off, off the road? And we got our scouts off the road that day, and uh, that's a real kudos. Uh, as far as playing in front of, uh, uh, you know, fans and, and all that, we're really listening to the, to the uh, – to the commissioner. He's, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He came out very quickly and said, no games. And uh, I think we're all watching his lead. Uh, We have a lot of confidence in his lead, but, you know, for me to talk about, you know, when we're going to be playing in front of fans or not, uh, I I trust my commissioner implicitly. And, and, and so that's what we're going to watch. The thing that he has said, I think that's been pretty uh, public is, you know, he's not, he's listening. He's trying to gather as much information and talking to doctors, but also listening to new ideas. But I don't think anything is going to be talked about or announced until early May. And so um, that would be probably the earliest that we're going to hear anything. Uh, Justin Cohn up in Fort Wayne. Hey, uh, Kevin, uh, the, the Mad Ants only had seven games left. Um, and most of the winter pro sports leagues had just, you know, canceled and, and not suspended. So I'm just wondering how 
this affects things from your perspective negatively or positively for uh, the growth of the players this season and also just kind of moving forward with the whole minor league developmental process for you guys? Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I kind of feel, Justin, that like, you know, it's easy to say we have two organizations. I think probably now more than ever we've come together. Um, I, I was just talk, uh, texting with Brian and uh, uh, his staff a little bit today. I was texting with Steve Gansey today. Um, you know, we know that they had seven games, and I, I know that they wanted to make a charge for the playoffs. Um, but you just can't uh, right now. And we're taking all our cues, including from the, uh, uh, the G League, uh, from our commissioner, from the commissioner of the NBA. Um, I know Sharif has been in constant communication with the G League teams. Um, and it'd be great if we could play those seven games. But um, right now, uh, I, I don't think that we could comment other than saying that, that, that more information's coming and hopefully it'll be coming on May 1st. But, you know, I think we all know with this, with what we're going through, to make any bold statements that you're coming back at a certain time is probably a misnomer. Greg Rappaport, Pacers.com. Hey, Kevin. Greg from Pacers.com here. Um, we, we opened it up to the fans on Twitter to see if they had any questions for you. Sure. And uh, one question from user holiday season was, uh, how has the front office been ensuring that the players stay in game shape during quarantine? And what are some of the biggest challenges to that? Well, the first thing I would say is the way you stay in game shape is you play games. There's nothing like being in, in game shape. Um, but uh, our strength and conditioning staff is in daily contact. They've given them programs. They're checking in on them every day. Um, Sean Wendell uh, and his staff uh, have given programs to every player. I think one of the things that's been the most challenging is, you know, getting a gym and being the only person in that gym. I know a couple of players that have found gyms. They're going in it super late at night, going in by themselves, getting their workout and then getting out of there. Uh, and, and I applaud that, you know, it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're torn because they want to get in the gym. They want to get a good workout. They want to be playing one-on-one, two-on-two-on-two, but, I think the most important thing that they can possibly do is adhere to these social distancing uh, rules and, and, and get out of this as fast as we can. So I know that there's a pull to get them in and, and play one-on-one and two-on-two and ultimately get them back in the gym. But until we see, you know, what the league feels like is their program uh, and improvement, then uh, we have to be very careful. Right. Dave first, do you have another question? I, I do. Um, two quick ones, Kevin. Um, are, how many, I don't know if you want to say or don't want to say, how many of the guys are still in town, A, and B, uh, how long would it take? Commissioner says, okay, we're going to go, but there's got to be a period, I would think, where you're going to need a week or two weeks to get everybody back into game shape. What's that time frame like? Have you thought about that yet? We do have a handful of players still in town. Uh, some of them went back to their homes. I think some of them wanted to be with their families during this time. Uh, what I kind of feel is they're trickling back. Um, 
because I think once we open up maybe in a small way that they can get back into our gym pretty easy. It's the easiest accessible and it has every, every uh, thing that they need uh, from getting prepared. Uh, there's only been talk, Dave, in terms of, of how long. Um, I don't think it's going to be a week and let's get back and play some games. I think that they're going to give us a good amount of time, um, but I don't think it's going to be a week. I would say two or three weeks minimum. Um, and then, and then, and then play some games, but, uh, you know, we're going to have to be cautious because, you know, we got to get them back to a point where they can play at the highest level too. And to, to throw them out there, I think that would be short-term thinking versus, uh, making sure that they're prepared, uh, to get out there and play with, uh, you know, at the highest level that they possibly can. Good question. Thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, Tony East, Forbes. Hey, Kevin. You mentioned that some guys uh, were struggling as they came off of a daily routine. You also mentioned that they've been sent workouts. Have those helped them get back into more of a routine, and have they mentioned that that's helping them stay in shape as they potentially rev up for the season again? Yeah, good question, Tony. Um, I, I, I would tell you this. Uh, the first week to two weeks was – as intense a two weeks as I've ever had in terms of just gauging where each player was uh, mentally. I think Chad Buchanan and, and Kelly and Peter did a phenomenal job. And Dr. Carr, our, our sports uh, performance coach, uh, of, of, of staying in touch and really understanding where that player was emotionally because <clears> – <throat> I don't know if I was prepared to understand what, what players were going through because you have this regiment and then it's gone. And, you know, I can feel it in my own self, to be honest with you. Uh, that first couple of weeks, I was like, wait a second, you know, something's missing, something's missing, something missing in my personal life. Like, um, and so I think I challenged our staff and everybody to let's get really connected with our players right now as much as we possibly can without being there one-on-one. -on -one. And to be perfectly honest, I think some players uh, ha had some challenges. They really were challenged because if you notice, there's some players on teams that are just connectors, right? You see them out on the court, they high-five everybody, they're positive, and you would think going through these 10 days, 14 days of this, the first thing, well, they, they have a positive attitude. They're going to get through it. And it was really completely different than that. It was they were the ones that didn't have the interaction, the social interaction and that, that uh, touch and feel of other players. And when that's gone in a, in a, in a second, I think they felt it more. And I, I got more worried and we jumped in there as much as possible and tried to help those players as much as anything. And then, and then we have players that, you know, families are going through some serious things uh, that are, 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 I think it's been publicized, but there's some players that some family members have uh, gone through this and they've come out on the other end, but that's no joke. That is no joke. And uh, to me, I want to be as, uh, show as much as empathy and help and, uh, you know, you want to do everything you possibly can to help. Um, 
specifically uh, when it's psychological. And I think our players are in a great spot right now. They're in a they're in, in more regimented uh, programs. Um, they want to play. I think the thing that I've gotten back from our players in the last probably week or two weeks is they want to prove it. They want to prove that this team is a good team in the playoffs. They want to show that this is going to be a tough out. You're not going to get past us in an in a easy series. It's going to be a tough series. And I felt like, again, you, you had three seasons, you know, Victor going uh, – uh, being out the the beginning and and watching this team come together the the the, the first group uh, that was healthy and that was fun that was a an amazing experience for that team and then Victor coming back and there being some challenges around that but there was also going to be a third season in my mind and that was coming out the end when everybody was clicking and you know you put this team with you know everybody healthy. We're not afraid. Uh, you know, they might not be afraid uh, of us, but we're not afraid of them either. So, you know, I can feel their their anxiety to want to come back. But I think now it was anxiety because what's going on in the world. And now I, I get a feeling like they're hungry, like there's some hunger in this team that if we get back and can play in these playoffs or some regular season and playoffs or however they do it, that, that they want to prove it, that this team wants to prove that, that they belong. And, you know, you have – I'm talking with T.J. Warren uh, in a text today, and, you know, he had been in the playoffs. He's salivating, truly salivating at the opportunity to get out there and play and compete in the playoffs. That's what these guys live for. You know, fortunately, we've made the playoffs last few years and we're a pretty competitive team, but I felt like this team had a chance to do some pretty special things. Just a reminder, if you're having troubles with the raising hands option, just call and text uh, Chrissy or Wes, and we'll get you in line here. Uh, let's go to Greg Doyle, IndyStar. Hey, uh, Kevin, thanks for this. Um, and by the way, you've got plenty of time in your spare hands, so either A, get rid of that big bug over your shoulder, or hang a picture on that, whatever the heck that is. It's a butterfly. <laughs> is it? Is it it's, alive? It's my wife's butterfly, so. Okay. This is, this is what my life is. It's, it's, it's on Zoom. It's uh, looking at the refrigerator and trying to get myself to go work out. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of our lives. Um, so my question is about Victor. Is there anything unique about him um, coming off the injuries coming off? Is there anything unique about him rejoining the team? Let's assume there's a season in a month. Is there anything unique about his situation that will require more caution? I would say this, that, you know, the way we looked at Victor was it was a ramp up to play and then and then a ramp up in minutes. And with Victor, uh, you can have practice. Let's say it's a couple weeks of practice, but I don't know if the right thing would be to put him out there for 40 minutes. But we've had a lot of conversations around of ramping him up in, a, in you know, a couple weeks of training camp and then – uh, not throwing him out there and having him play a big amount of minutes. I think we can adjust as we go, but uh, there could be uh, some limitations. But, you know, the, the one thing that I've, I've felt really good about this is the communication between Victor, uh, our, our staff, uh, Victor's um, uh, physical therapist, they meet every day. Uh, and so, 
you know, we want to put a plan in place for him to come back, but also you have to be a little bit, uh, you have to be willing to move the plan a little bit. But you know me, Greg, we will err on the side of long-term and caution with Victor every day, all day, and every one of our players. No one game, no one one series will will we put a player at, 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 at any higher jeopardy than others. So, uh, but But it does bring some special, unique circumstances, yes. Thank you. Uh, Scott, do you have another question? Yeah, uh, I was curious, Kevin, if any of the players or staffers had to be tested. And then along the same lines of what you were talking about, the mentals earlier, it's awful, uh, uh, an awful difficult time to lose Dr. Carr. Um, have you figured out plans in place to replace him during this time? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Carr, he is, he's moving on to, the, to uh, Green Bay. We're super happy for him. He was in, incredible. He has given us a name. We have started the dialogue with someone. Uh, we feel good about that relationship, but we're not tied into anybody yet. So uh, Dr. Carr has made that recommendation, and we believe in, in what Dr. Carr did, and it's a disciple of, of Dr. Carr. What, uh, what was your – Whether you, whether any players or staffers had, had oh, tested yeah, or needed yeah. to be tested because we know about David, obviously. Yeah, so um, the players have chosen – well, that's not true – uh, Dr. Samuels has said that he didn't want to test unless there was uh, symptoms. And there's a couple reasons for that. But the biggest reason is we feel like it was a wasted test. Uh, there's nothing that changes uh, if the, the test comes positive. We wanted to keep that for our community. Um, I remember early on in the process that uh, there was a lack of a lot of tests. And so we, we, we got together and said, we will test if we have symptoms. One player for one day, we thought we were about to test, and I'm not going to say who that was, but the next day he felt great, and so we decided not to and save that test for our community. Um, I, I do believe that when these tests get to a point where everyone has them and they're easily accessible – uh, I think it'll be very important for all of us, of us to get tested to see if we have the to the antibodies, right? That that will be critical because if you've already known you've had it, you or, or if you didn't, but you have the antibodies at the end of the day, well then you're as safe, hopefully uh, moving forward. But you know, I'm, I'm getting into the doctor's realm, and, and I try to stay out of that as much as possible. That that give you your answer, Scott. Yeah, sounds like nobody has been tested. No one that I know of. Sure. Uh, Rick Bozich in Louisville, are you on the line? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Hi, Kevin. Rick Bozich down here in Louisville. We there are a lot of players in this area too at Louisville uh, and four Kentucky underclassmen who've uh, declared for the draft, and this is going to be a, a non-standard procedure compared to past years. What would your advice be to them as they try and? navigate this next few months well i've got to be cautious here uh one of the things is we're, we're not allowed to talk about any underclassmen and they haven't had any uh announcement that they have uh declared and we haven't had the declared list so to talk about anybody specific i, I can't do that right no i mean just to players in general i guess who are getting ready for the draft God. you know I know agents do a great job of, 
you know, pooling their players and getting them prepared for uh, our workouts. Sometimes our workouts are no joke. They are tough. You have to come in and be in great shape. But a big part of our workouts is getting players on our campus, on our campus, on our, uh, on our site, communicating with them. You know, we already know talent-wise what we like, uh, what we're looking for. Uh, what, what we want is, is, and we feel like is important, is the communication and the interview that, that happens. And, you know, they're going to get interviewed by every team. Uh, they're going to have to go through an interview process. Uh, so getting prepared for that uh, is probably more important or as important um, as anything going forward because we've watched the film, we've run the analytics. Now what is that person, uh, you know, what, what does he bring uh, for a personality-wise? So, And we watched that probably as much as anybody in the NBA if, some players are right for us. Sometimes they're not, and that's okay. So, um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to working on the plan to get to know these kids. But I don't know what that plan is right now, to be honest with you. Does anybody else have anything in general? Yeah, I can keep going. <laughs> if you can, Scott, I'll, I'll shoot away. Can you give any any kind of injury updates in terms of Malcolm's quad, Jeremy Lamb continuing to rehab his injuries? Well, I, I have you guys seen Jeremy's up and walking a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's I, I don't know if you guys screen. that that uh, how do you say this? That's a that's a that's a great feeling for a player the first day that they can walk. So he is walking. It looks good. He's on target. Uh, he's working with uh, Josh every day, or I think it's six days a week right now. But we feel good about that. But it's going to be a long process. Uh, Malcolm says he's 100% and ready to go. I think when I'm communicating with Malcolm, uh, he just wants to get out there. He was so looking forward to him and Victor playing and getting some games in before the playoffs. Uh, I think Malcolm is hungry and, uh, you know, what happens is with, with all these players, not just Malcolm, the, the bumps and bruises of the season have gone away, uh, but you're not in his game shape. So I think he's – Malcolm's trying to be as disciplined about his eating probably as much as any player right now. I mean, he's, he's been very disciplined around that. And, uh, he, he's also taken up golf. He, he spoke to our whole staff uh, the other day, and uh, he, he's – He's, he thinks he's ready to take on golf, and I think he's crazy. <laughs> uh, Olivia Ray, Wish TV. Hey, Kevin. Uh, curious if you guys have anyone watching or, or if you are watching anything closely as the WNBA moves forward this Friday with a virtual draft, the NFL, things that, I guess, concern your staff and that you guys have eyes on in the next few months. Yeah, you know, uh, probably one person on my staff right now is taking that over and that's Chad Buchanan. Uh, he's, he's, I, I don't think we, we made it a purposeful, Hey, watch every other league. Uh, I think he's very interested in what other leagues are doing. So yes, we're watching him. 
Uh, we're also watching college football. You know, college football has got some big decisions coming up. And uh, the, the thing that I would tell you, though, is I feel like uh, our commissioner is incredible. I think he's um, uh, he empathizes. Uh, he listens. Like, you can literally give him any idea. He is a good listener. Uh, I think what's going to happen is he's going to come back early May, make, uh, make some uh, statements, but um, I have so much confidence that he's going to know, and he's going to know when to take the appropriate risk because there's still going to be risk on the other side of this. It's not going to be riskless. Uh, so for me, um, maybe it's above my pay grade, or I just have so much confidence in, in our, uh, uh, NBA, our, our commissioner that, that I, I think we're just watching right now. We're trying to help him as much as we can. We're giving feedback. On the, the call when we had it with uh, all the other general managers and presidents, you know, he talked about whatever we do, you know, we're going to be the implementers, the presidents, the GMs. We have to implement whatever we decide. So we're just trying to be prepared for that moment that we can implement. I think we're excited about that moment, but we're also uh, being, uh, you know, cautious as well. All right, one more question. Let's go back to Justin in Fort Wayne. Uh, Kevin, for the for the guys who were in uh, the G League, so namely, you know, Brian Bowen, Alizé, uh, uh, before uh, all this happened, uh, were you seeing a – what kind of improvement were you seeing from them, and does this stunt their growth at all or any concern in that respect? I don't think it's, it stunts their growth. I think seven games, you know, that's that's pretty short amount of time. Uh, really like what we saw in Alizé. Felt like he was – becoming more of a playmaker. I like that four man who can be a playmaker and his defensive rebounding and busting out and going make plays. I really like that. I thought the one thing with, with even a, a younger player like in Brian, because he was so young is we saw a steady increase in his production. And uh, I, I really think he's an NBA player. Uh, we, we are, are looking to both those guys and Naz uh, to to potentially be a part of the the, the team. You know, we we like the progression. Uh, we think Coach Gansey's doing a great job in developing. Um, but you know, I'll give you an example. Naz before he got hurt came into an NBA game. I think it was against Brooklyn early in the year. Made I think six points or eight points in a row and had an effect on one NBA game. So. If you don't think we think that the G League's important, you're crazy because if it can win one game, I'm in. And it already did this year. And, uh, you know, those two-way con contracts are – we spend a lot of time uh, vetting those players, trying to understand exactly what we want in those players, and then developing like crazy. So very important what we're seeing from those guys.